Right. I think I got it working. So if you don't follow our podcast or anything like that, I encourage you, even if you don't listen to them, when I share them on social media, if you could share that. Uh, we have we have a following of people who does follow it and listen to it. I don't know who they are. I can't, I'm not, I don't have access to know who they are. I do have access to see where, they, where they're from. Not really a whole lot from Marion that actually, um, this area that actually follows that and some other areas. Uh, even got people that establish other countries and stuff, things like that. So it's kind of cool, but it is a way that we can get the message out, the gospel out, and try to help somebody. So if you can share those, rate those and all that kind of stuff it does it does help in some kind of a little way so but exodus chapter 20 and verse 4 uh yeah second's got three up there but that'll be all right actually i think it's what i give him so we'll go with that thou shalt have no other gods before me thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness anything that is in heaven above that's in the earth beneath, or that is uh, in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation of them that hate, and showing mercy unto a thousand of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Um, now we'll read this because I've been reading this every time along with this. Galatians 6, 6 through 9, let him that is taught in the word, communicate in the word, teaching in all good things, be not deceived, God's not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth in his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth in the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Somebody say, if we faint not. We've been on this journey talking about eating an elephant. Such a strange title, I guess, but it's what I felt. Keith Chandler, pastor of Journey Church in Odessa, Florida, said this. There's no immediate benefit to any single investment of time. Hear that again. There's no immediate benefit to any inve single investment of time. Hey, Myra, can you bring me a bottle of water, sweetheart? Your brother was supposed to, but he didn't do it. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. One more time, let me say that. There's no immediate benefit to any single investment of time. Eating an elephant is an investment of our time. After all, you think about it. You just couldn't chew right through that skin. You must have started the tail. You probably gristly trying to eat through that tail. You start at the ears. I could just see them stretching. I seen a funny video the other day of a little baby elephant. Thank you so much. A baby elephant that just had its trunk. It was spinning it all around. And the caption on it was, um, he found his trunk. It would be kind of tough going through the, the legs. Now, we're not going to eat an elephant no we're not but it is the thing that it will be worth our time to invest in the task because we all have them in our life we all have 
to deal with the elephants in this room, in your room, in your house. And there's only one way to eat an elephant, and it's a bite at a time, as said Desmond Tutu. Today I have another one of those daunting, overwhelming, even impossible thing that can be accomplished by investing time into it and gradually taking on just a bite at a time. But unfortunately, it is one of those things that we're blind to so many times. Or we choose just not to recognize it that it is an issue in our world. All right? We've talked about prayer. We've talked about relationships. We've talked about the importance of consistency and how that we need to examine our priorities. We talked about that last week, how we need to examine our priorities and make sure that God is first. Last week we talked about anything that we want God to bless, we put him first in that area. And I give you an acronym of how to know what we need to put first in our life by using FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, first in our finances, first in our interests, first in our relationships, first in our schedule, first in our troubles. You can go to the podcast and listen to that for its entirety. Today, I want to go hasten quickly to where I'm going because I have a lot I'd like to say. But today, our elephant is important because it can keep us from having God as our number one priority. It will keep us from having God as our number one priority in our lives. And that's what has to be number one in our life. And the reason I see so many people struggle is because God is not number one in their lives. And they think God's number one. But the truth of the matter is that if anything else takes precedence over God and his kingdom, then he is not number one in life. This elephant is found also in Exodus chapter 20. And um, I have read it a second ago, but let's, let's read it again. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make into thee any graven image, any likeness of anything that's in heaven above, that's in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, showing mercy, thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Well, let's settle there for a second. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, because today I want to deal with the elephant of idols. It's a big deal, idols. Um, today I'm going to be using... Again, since the material from um, a Bible study that Brother Raymond Woodward has got to help us with this elephant, he's a brilliant man, and um, he uh, has got some very interesting stuff to go along with what I'd like to say today. So what, what is an idol? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Archaeologists have dug, and they found evidence of idols in every culture throughout history, they found statues of gods and goddesses, and um, they idols have been made of, you know, the sun, the moon, the earth, uh, dirt, the wind. We could just go through that. These idols are basically something that's not God, but's being worshipped as God. And it seems that we have a desire as humanity to turn to things turn to people, even ideals, turn to ideals, even ideals into objects that we worship. And of the 613 laws that we find recorded in the Torah, more than 50 of them are forbidding us from idolatry. Today I'm going to talk about how 
there's some elephants, there's some idols in our world. Every one of us has got different ones that we need to remove them. And they're not easy to remove, especially if they've been um, like a generational thing. They've been through your gen- down through your generations, you know, to see this thing keeps popping back up. I've heard people, uh, as actually said this lately, they don't believe in generational curses. I don't, maybe I'm iffy with that. I know there's choices. We have to make our own choices. But I also know if a parent or somebody that's over you has done something, it makes it a lot easier for you to fall in that pattern. And so we see this. And this but here's the thing. The Hebrew word for graven image, it means something carved or fashioned with the hands. Bowing down in front of a statue is only one example of what idolatry is. There's a lot of forms of idolatry especially in the hour that we're living right now. Anything, an idol is anything that takes our focus off of God and puts it on something else. Anything that takes our priority off of God, His kingdom, and eternity and puts it our focus on something else. When anything besides God is first in my life, it is an idol. Even if it is good. And this is where it becomes hard and dangerous for us so many times. And we find a lot of these elephants in our world, personally. I mean, I, I, we all struggle with that thing. Me and Brother Hussey was talking about some sports stuff the other day. And his was a different type of sport than mine. I've had to deal with it with, with the basketball in my life. Dad was a diehard UK basketball fan. And I, it's something that after he passed away, it made it easy, you know, for me to feel like if I was connected to it, I was more connected to my dad, you know. But it also, there is a thing that grabs a hold of you. Because I'm going to tell you, so, well, I'm not that. Well, you may not be. But when it comes to that, I had to be careful with it. Because when I was younger, I'd go out between the preaching and the singing to see if they was winning or not. And then when we get a new technology, you don't have to do that. You can just slip the phone out and say, yeah, they're up. All right, I'm just the only way I know it to be real, be transparent, all right? And where that may be, thank God, I, the Lord's helped me with that. I, I care less right now. And it doesn't matter to me. I don't even know who plays on the team right now. It, it doesn't matter to me because there's other things that's more important to me at the moment. Because I, you know, and I know we, there's things in life that you may be able to do in a moderation. Somebody else can't touch it. We've got to be careful with those things in life. So there's some things that becomes weight. They're so heavy for us. And this is where I'm kind of talking. It may be not necessarily bad, but you don't need it. All right? And the truth is, God doesn't want us to value anything more than we value Him. And here in America, the worship of images, it's rare. Okay? I mean, statues. Although it might happen, and it does happen, no doubt. But what we find more are people that worship ideologies that are against the God that we serve, the God who created everything. And, and this is just as much as an idolatry as worshiping some statue. So I want to talk about this elephant of worshiping idols because sometimes we may not realize that we've got this in our life and we're struggling. We're thinking, what's going on in my life? Why am I struggling? And the truth of the matter is, well, we've misplace God in our priorities and we've got an idol that's above God. All right? So we see in the Bible times there's three 
primary idols that they dealt with. Baal, he was the god of sex. We find Mammon, he was the god of money. And we find Moloch, he was the god of violence. In that, we see the corrupt human desires even of our modern time. Because we see that most of the idols that we deal with in our time deals with these three different things. We see, we see unrestricted sex in our time right now. Changing the identity of what man and woman thinks they are. God created us one way and we want to change our identity and think it's something else. That's an idol worship of basically, oh, I want to do what I want to do. Or we see... You know, sexual relations outside of marriage. We can just go on and on with all these things. That's that unrestricted sex. We see that selfishness of, of uh, mammon that all I'm worried about is getting more and more and more. That's the God of money. Because God of money is not always about the dollar, but it's always, a lot of times it's just about getting more. All right? And then we see that, that God of violence, Molech. We see that. We see these all reflected, all these ancient idols reflected into so many areas that we have that we're dealing with right now. And, and today we don't worship objects as much as we worship the ideals and the images of these things. And all these images of, of sensuality, of greed, of violence are reflected on television. The Hollywood agenda pushes that so much. And now what's even more more harmful and damaging that is social media pushes that agenda also and we have to be careful because all of these things reflecting we can turn this stuff into idols in our world who were we're sitting in church trying to get our mind on the house of God and we're our mind is being pulled to some uh, social media site that you just were addicted to and we got to check it every five minutes or it's pulled to some uh, television show that pulls you in every week or it's, or it's pulled into that 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 uh, uh, God of mammon that's pulling you thinking I, I could be working right now making more money where I could get more stuff see what I'm talking about and unfortunately we have a culture that seems to be more connected to those things than they are connected to God because here's the thing with this agenda like you look you look at the God of Baal the God of sex now if if you just this is how it's worked when I remember being a kid you never seen nothing about homosexuality on TV it's crazy but through time, we eased it through there to where now it's acceptable for us to teach it in schools. And it's not a big deal. And we have a younger generation, even an older generation now. It's so easy for them not to realize that that is an idol that you're worshiping. The devil is trying to get you to worship the God of Baal, which is the old, the old times with the God of sex. And we've got to be careful with that because we condition our mind through the Hollywood agenda and now even we sit through the social media agenda. I promise you, anything comes on social media, I hide it, I block it, I get rid of it. I don't want to see it. I don't want that infiltrating my life. And whether it's there or wherever. Because it's an elephant that we're not careful. Oh, it's cute when we bring it in the house. Just for a little bit. Well, it's, it's cute on Three's Company years ago when, when we think Jack, he's pretending to be gay, but he's just doing it to be able to stay with two ladies in a house. But now then, now Jack and whoever else, and I don't even know what they are, they're all gay and it doesn't matter. But it started with the conditioning of, of having the idol back when we laughed at it with Jack. But now then it's a part of lifestyle. 
and it became a cute little elephant of Jack and the Three's Company sitcom to now uh, these full-blown uh, whatever they are and shows that it's big. It's like, oh, how do I get this out of my life? I'm so connected to it. Absolutely. And we've got a task of teaching our children and the church what values are important. And this is why I'm here doing what I'm doing today because it is rampant in our world. It is rampant in our world. And I'm telling you what, if these things become bigger than God, somebody's going to go to hell. And I don't want to make sure that, that no blood is on my hand. And if we walk out of this place today, and if anybody listens to this and they walk away from it, I'm telling you, I'm giving you Bible. I'm giving you Scripture for what we're talking about today. And understand that it, it, it's, it's a lot, lot more difficult because an idol that, that, that we have in our life that's just flooded our world and everything, but we've got to tear these things down in our life. Because I don't need nothing bigger than God is. And we've got to teach it. And we've got to teach it. And, 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 and this, here's the thing. It doesn't mean if somebody has this stuff in their life that they're horrible people. It doesn't mean that uh, if somebody has, has got idols in their life. And, it, and I'm just, you know, in the homosexual agenda here. But we've got other things. We've got sports. Because we got because the person who's so wrapped up in sports that they put it above God is just as wrong as the person person who is in dealing in fornication in life and that's become their idol. It, it's it's no difference. Okay, sin doesn't outweigh sin. It only takes one unforgiven sin for you to go to hell, and that's what we've got to recognize and realize. And it's made difficult the values teaching these values. Because idols that we're flooded with in this world. But God, in his infinite wisdom, he looked through time and he used the second commandment to take aim directly at the human tendency to take matters of right and wrong into our own hands. This is idolatry at its purest form. Is when we take, we make the decision of what we think is right and wrong. This is what idolatry is at its at its purest form is when we, did, when we think, it doesn't matter what the preacher says, you know, if he's preaching the word. Let's take it this way. Take it off the preacher. It doesn't matter what the word of God says. I think it's okay. When a person chooses a lifestyle that violates the, violates the moral will of God, they are establishing an idol fashioned by their own hands and making God over their own image so that they won't feel condemned by his commandments. And this is what happens. And the second commandment is simply, it's, a re, uh, it's reaffirming the original instructions that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden. Listen to it. Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, if people say, there's too many rules in church. I can't, live, I can't go to church. because No, that's not the case. The, the number one rule that he's given here is, so look, you don't have to worry about the knowledge of what's good and evil. That's my job. Let me deal with that. And the moment we decide, I'm going to decide What's good and what's evil is the moment that we're pushing God out of the, out of the way and saying, let me try being God. And God in, in, in the Garden of Eden was simply just saying this. I'm giving you one rule here. 
to keep. And they couldn't keep that one rule. And that one rule is the same rule that causes so many people to be down throughout life. Is let me make the rules of what's right and wrong. And this is where we have problems when it comes to idols. God was forbidding mankind from interfering with morality. Me deciding what's moral or not. And, you know, we have, we have issues of holiness and people talking about, well, a man's supposed to look like a man, woman's supposed to look like a woman. Well, that's just, no. It goes back to here. God made man and woman. And it goes back to here. And any attempt to try to change that, you're changing morality. You're changing good to evil or evil to good. You're trying to make the rules up. And you're, you're making, you're fashion, that person is fashioning an idol and saying, let me do this and worship this instead of worshiping God. I'll make the rules. Adam and Eve were not, in, not to change in any way that God had declared what was right and what was wrong. Don't worry about that. Mankind's moral code is off limits to us according to God. That's what he was saying. But the devil tries to take, uh, portray God as a taker. And in reality, God is a giver. And notice that before God gave Adam and Eve a law prohibiting them from doing something, he first gave him all the permission to do all this other stuff. And we get focused on the one thing he said don't do, and there's all kinds of stuff he's giving us liberty to enjoy in life. And that's how I've still seen with a lot of people. It's like he was saying, enjoy everything I've created, but just don't assume my rightful place of me making what's morally right and wrong. All right? James 1 and 17 says, every good gift and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of turning. Oh, my goodness. Help me out. I'm getting tongue-tied today. But the alternate lifestyles that people are choosing, no matter what that alternate, if it's a lifestyle that's not conducive to the Word of God, when a person chooses that, no matter what it may be, whether it be somebody says, well, okay, uh, I'm going to stay home on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to stay home on midweek service when a, a basketball game. Or I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to stay home from church this week because there's a good big sale going on somewhere or whatever. And, and let's take it away from church. Well, I'm not going to pray tonight because this is going on and that's going on. I'm not going to pray this morning because this. When we start having an altered lifestyle than what the Bible has for us, then we are changing the roles of our life. It's as if the Bible restricts us from any pleasure. It's like, okay, then if it says, I can't have any pleasure, then I'm just going to... Uh, it's, it's, it's not like he's doing that, okay? He's not restricting us from any pleasure. He's putting restrictions on the pleasure. All right? Because when we talk about Baal, the God of sex... Song of Solomon celebrates sexual pleasure. We're adults up here, so let me talk with it, okay? But only inside the moral bounds designed by God, which is marriage is to be between a man and a woman. Sex is fine as long as it's in the confound of that what God ordained. And when we take it out of that, then we're basically becoming an idol worshiper. 
Now, that may sound strange, but it's just what we're doing. Because all of a sudden we're saying, okay, God, I don't have to listen to you. Let me fashion my own little God, my own little rules. I'll go by my rule book. I'm not going to go by yours. And Eve was tempted to become like God. That was her temptation, not to eat the fruit. Because if she, if she was God, she could make her own rules. And, that, and that's what the devil was doing when he was tempting her. Go ahead and eat it. You'll be like God. All right? And the second commandment here says that God's jealous. He will allow no substitutes for himself. Why? Not because he's an insecure God. Not because he's insane. Not because he's possessive. Because God is extremely, to devote, extremely devoted to us. He knows what's going to keep us safe. And if, if God allowed us to engage in idol worship, He would be willfully abandoning us to harmful imitations that, that will end up causing harsh regrets in our life every day that we'd have to deal with if He just let us do what we wanted to do. I hope this is making sense today. Deuteronomy 4, 15 through 16 says, Take ye therefore... Good heed unto yourselves, for you saw no manner of similitude of the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb, out of the midst of the fire, lest you corrupt yourselves and make you graven images, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female. Another version, translation, says it like this, For your own good don't sin by making an idol in any form at all. We've got to avoid the fake. We've got to avoid the imitations. we got to avoid the things that are trying to imitate God, but they're not God. And, and here's the thing. Why, why do we need this elephant of idols out of our lives? Because of what an idol will do to me. Because here's the thing. Jeremiah 10, 14 says, Every man is brutish in his knowledge. Every founder is confounded by the graven image, for his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in him. Jeremiah 10, 14 from the Good News Bible says it this way. Those who make idols are disillusioned because the gods they make are false and lifeless. Idols will always disappoint you. All right? Let me, let me, I'll talk about myself here, talking about basketball, okay? How many times has Kentucky got to the final game and lost? Now, if you're not a, a basketball fan, you may not understand it, but that, uh, everybody's always thinking, well, well, they want to go 40 and 0. They play 40 games throughout the year. Kentucky had they had this streak going. They were 38 and 0. Everybody thought they was going to be able to do it. One of the best teams in the nation. 38 and 0. They lost in the second to the last game. Disappointing, right? Big big shopping trip. I'm gonna get all the good deals. I, it, we can just go on and on and on. Okay. Relationships. Oh, yeah, people's gonna, they're going to disappoint you. Because here's the thing. When we make something else an idol, they will always disappoint you. And anytime you expect anyone to solve our problems or guarantee us happiness, we're going to be disappointed. Because God knew that if you make something else but me, your God, you're going to be disappointed. And here's the other thing. 1 Corinthians 12 and 2. This is from the Good News Bible. Before you knew Christ, you were controlled by dead idols who always led you astray. Idols will dominate you. Idols will control you. And this is why we've got to get them out of our life. 
There are two expected effects when you love something more than you love God. Number one, it will begin to control you. Are you ready for this? The modern word for idol is addiction. All right? And eventually the idol runs your life. And if you can give it up anytime, I hear it, I can give it up anytime I want, then why don't you? And if you can't give it up anytime you want, then it's controlling you. And it needs to go. Because if that thing can control you that much, all right? And we can talk about a lot of things right here, and I'm going to because I'm pastor, and that's okay. We got, we, most of your kids are downstairs, but it does happen in adults, so this is for anybody that may be listening to it. But we got video games controlling these kids' lives. And if you have a, a, a kid, don't let them play their video games all the time, especially connected to the Internet. Because we have kids that's gaming all night long and sleeping all day long. Come on, Mama, Daddy, you're controlled. Don't say, oh, no, you're in control. If you don't control them now, something else will. Control them. Or an addiction will control them. Because eventually the idol is going to run your life. The idol is dominating, it's distracting our life. And it causes us to be led astray. And whether it's a video game, whether it's alcohol, whether it's a nicotine addiction, whether it's a drug addiction, I don't care what it is, it's, if it's a, a Dr. Pepper addiction, you're right, sis, a phone addiction. We got, this is, I, I was going to work the other day, I'm talking about 5.50 in the morning, and here's this guy walking down the road, facing traffic. I'm like, my God, dude, you're going to kill yourself. I mean, they're hilarious. Just, just search Cell phone walking fails, okay? And you're going to see multiple people walking with cell phones, running in the, in the poles, falling in ditches, hitting all kinds of things because we're so connected to that thing. When's the last time you ran into pole because you were speaking in tongues? When's the last time you, ran, you fell in a hole somewhere because you was lost in God? No, we don't do that because we're not addicted to God like we are the phones or this other stuff. And if it's got that much control, it needs to go. All right? Because we're making it an idol. Hmm. Brother White, one time, was somewhere and he said, I don't know if it's his church or a conference somewhere, he said, how many of you kids love God? Oh, yeah. How many of you, you kids love God more than your cell phones? Oh, yeah. They come laying on this altar. The kids started flooding the altars. Let me finish my story, brother. And then all of a sudden, Bishop said this. He said, Have your parents love your kids? Come get their phones and look at it. But Scott Graham was telling the story on Brother White. And he said, Kids were literally clawing and screaming trying to get to their phones before their parents did because they knew what was on there. I'm talking about idols today that has to go. And the thing is, it's not just our kids, but it's our adults too. We're so addicted to these things. Addictions have to go. And I don't care what they are, they become, this is a modern 
terminology of what an idol is. And we think, oh, I don't worship idols. No, yeah, we do, okay? See, because idols always make you lose your perspective and cause you to set aside values to compromise your convictions. Oh, it's just this, or it's just that. And it, uh, God, yeah, God is long-suffering. He is long-suffering. But what happens when God comes back and we're still stuck in this addictive pattern? It's dangerous. And if we let another person control our life by their approval or disapproval, psychologists call it codependency, all right? The Bible calls it idolatry. And we can break codependency by restoring God to be first in our life again. This is, the, this is why we've got to do this, because what happens is an idol will deform us. Psalms 155.8 says, They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusts in them. The Good News Bible says it this way, Those who make idols will become like them, and so will those who trust in them. Idols change. They warp us, causing us to lose, to lose the, the distinctiveness that, that God gave us. And as we become uh, more like the things that we value the most, and if we put so much value in these idols in our life, we'll become more like them instead of being distinctive like God's created us. We shape an idol, and what ends up happening, it ends up shaping our life. And what do I mean by that? Well, let me go back to me again when I was so addicted to the, the basketball stuff, you know. It, it shaped what I'd done. It, it told me uh, it would shape my schedule because I'd make sure that, I, you know, whatever night they was playing or whatever they was doing, I'd make sure nothing else was going on at that time so I could be there to see it or watch it or listen to it. This is what idols do. They shape the way you do things. So if you're addicted to pornography, what happens? It shapes the way you look at the computer or the way you look at your phone. Or if you're addicted to, uh, let's say, alcohol or, or cigarettes or, or any type of drug thing like that. Well, it'll, it'll shape the way. Well, I don't want this one to see me. I don't want that one to see me. Or, or it'll shape the way you do everything in your entire life. And since we become like whatever it is that, that is first in life, we've got to reserve that spot for God. Because the Lord looked at Matthew 19. He looked at the rich young ruler and said, He said, what must I do to, internal, uh, to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Jesus never said that to anybody else. But why did he say it to him? Because he knew that the idol that this young ruler was dealing with was money. And he was not willing to hardly give that up. What do we need to give up? What is the elephant that we are keeping in our house that is keeping us from being all that God wants us to be? What is the activity? What is that possession? What is the career? What relationship? What habit is it that if I could get rid of You know in yourself right now, every one of us know, if that thing right there was not in my life, I wouldn't have an issue with really putting everything in God. If God's word tells us to give something up and you can't let go of it, or God has told you to give something up and you can't let it go, do you own it or does it own you? That's the question. You ever thought about how small $50 looks in the grocery store? And how big it looks in the offering pan? 
right? Looks small at the grocery store, but somebody puts a $50 bill in the offering pan, looks big. Why? It's how we value things. Human feelings are one of the biggest idols today. Let me talk about it. Our feelings can be irrational, changeable, unpredictable, and even beyond our understanding. Our feelings can be confused with moods, which are sometimes just a product of indigestion. You hadn't slept enough. You couldn't get your hair to do what you wanted to do. Looks good, Brother Dave. No problem today. When, when major decisions and actions are based on our feelings, there's a lot of damage usually is a result. People are ruled by their feelings more than God. The idolatry of feelings becomes very evident when we bow to them as facts, as though feeling something actually made it so. There's people who bathe in the feelings of idol worshipers. When anything but God becomes the end point of our attention and activities, that becomes idolatry. And this fake God, this imitation God, of feelings will damage our family, will damage our world, will damage our life. There's so many marriages that are broken up today simply because one partner decided that they're not happy, they're not fulfilled, and it basically annulled their wedding vows, right? And then we see children that's involved in all this erratic, crazy things they're dealing with. And like the sin of idolatry, this sin visits the iniquity of the parents upon the children through succeeding generations. And once we um, once this stimulation hits in our life of these feelings, it fails, we, we medicate ourselves to achieve greater stimulations. To survive our disappointment, our feelings of meaningless, that's where addictions happen. Addictions are short-term answers for timeless problems. Okay? And we have to be careful because so many addictions come because of the, the God of feelings. This is how it happens, and we've got to be careful with it. Laws, moral, mor, uh, morals and commitments, obligations, values, or relationships, and love, they all sacrifice to create that feeling, okay? So, so why do we even worship these idols? We're, because we're attempting to limit God's location. If I put God in a statue or in a church building, I just can't leave him behind when I don't want him. I, I can just leave him around when I don't want him around. All right? And some people seem to say, I don't want God to go everywhere I go and see everything I do. But guess what? He's going to see it anyway. God is everywhere. Sometimes we, we look at these, to these idols because we're attempting to reduce God's power in our life. 
If I can put God in a statue in a church building, then he's less commanding, he's less threatening, he's more convenient. I can manage him here. We have reversed Genesis 1.27 when he said, let us make man our image to let us make God in our image. People say, my idea of God is, the truth of the matter is, we're not the authority. It's a whole lot easier for me to just change my um, image of God than to let God change me into his image. And a lot of people change their theology because they can't justify their lifestyle any other way. All right? I can't justify it any other way. So I will change God into my image to what I want him to be. And we have to remove that, that way of thinking because we want to make God like us. We want God in our lives small, pre-measured doses. I, I want God to bless me, but I don't want him to run my life. God calls that idolatry. See, we're attempting to control God, and i got news for you. You can't control God. And if I can put God in a statue in a church building, then I can manipulate him. And when an idol, the, when an idol worshiper has more control than, than the thing being worshipped, it's like the little boy. You've probably heard this. Wanting a new bike. He, he hides the statue of Mary and writes a letter to God and said, if you ever want to see your mother again, you're going to give me that bicycle. This is what we do, right? God, if you'll do this, this, and this, I'll do this. We, we try to demand things of God, but we can't manipulate God. We worship God. And the benefits of worshiping only one God, it will delight me. All right? Psalms 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. The Good News Bible says it this way, Seek your happiness in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. <laughs> when I put God first, I experience the fulfillment and life that I look for in so many other places. I got to avoid the imitation God that's out there. Folks, we cannot settle for an image of God. That's just a shadow of the real thing. Because here's the thing. The fake gods out there, the things I'm talking about today, this out of worship, these feelings, all this stuff, they're not going to deliver you. All right? Jesus said in John 8, 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be what? Free indeed. Amen. The Bible promised you that we will get freedom like never if we'll put God first in our life. We don't have to worry about the expectations, the approvals of others, or, or because you're only focused on pleasing God. We must live our life for an audience of one. Only one. God will set us free from our past regrets. He'll set us free from our present habits. He'll set us free from our future worries. If we'll just put God first, church, that is real freedom. Can I tell you that today? And more than that, Brian's in the house.
it will develop us. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with open face beholding us, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Living Bible says it this way, As the Spirit of the Lord works with us, we become more like Him. When I put God first, I become that person God meant me to be, and that's when I put God first. We become like what we love. Our family can't reach its full potential without us putting God first. Amen? I'm about done. I know they're done there, and I need to wrap this up. But there's some images we got to tear down, folks. we got to take one bite at a time. One bite at a time. Some people look at God as some angry, greedy old parent who's never pleased with them. Other people look at God as a, uh, the grand, that feeble grandparent that lets them get away with murder because they can't stop them. That's all false images of God, okay? God wants you to know Him as He really is. And, and how do we get to know what God is really is? There's only one way, folks. Get to know Jesus Christ. Put Jesus number one in your life because Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And we can only put God first in our lives if we're willing to live by His Word Follow His plan of salvation that delivers us from all the fake idols and fake gods that's out there. John told us in 1 John 5, 21, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And today, this is what I'm talking about. There's some elephants in our life that we've got to tear down. Whether it's an addiction to your phone, whether it's addiction to alcohol, drugs, nicotine, uh, bad relationships, are being addicted to, being controlled by our feelings, they have to go. 1 Corinthians 5, 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're all men most miserable. There's an elephant in the room today that we call out of worship. And we've got to start eating this elephant to get it out of our lives. And the only way I know to tell you to do this, the best way to do it, we've got to make Jesus number one. Take what I said last week with God being first. Make Him number one. If your only reason for serving and living for Jesus is for what He can do to give you a quick fix in this world, then you will have a life filled with fake idols in your life. But when we realize that, that, we really, that we're really living for God is not about only here and now, but the fact that there's a hereafter, we'll get to know the real God. And there's a counterfeit that will never satisfy you. This is why people bounce from one relationship to the next relationship. They bounce from one addiction to the next addiction. They bounce from one church to the next church. Because they're looking for something that's going to satisfy them for this world. And, and I'm going to tell you what, that's all just fake gods. And they're not going to satisfy you. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, my last scripture's last thing I'm going to say today. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where the thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth Rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'll close with part of the words of Jimmy Needham's song, Clear the Stage. If you've never heard this song, you should go 
you should go find it and look for it. But he says, we must not worship something that's not even worth it. Clear the stage. Make some space for the one who deserves it. Anything I put before my God is an idol. Anything I want with all my heart is an idol. Anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. Anything I give all my love is an idol. And there's only one thing that deserves all those attributes. One thing that I need to put before anything else, and that's God. One thing that I need uh, to love with all my heart, and that's God. There's only one thing that I really did not uh, have a problem with not stop thinking about, and that's God. I want to give Him all my love. I want God, I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. And if He's not, then we have an elephant that we need to attack. And we, we need to attack that with everything we got and invest some time in it. And it's going to hurt. It's going to take some reconstruction. Because let me tell you what, when you have addictions in your life, you've got to reconstruct some things. I know, I know people who's been addicted to pornography. And on their phones, they have taken the ability to search things. They don't like, I know somebody's got an iPhone. They don't have Safari on their phone. That way, they've taken that out of their way. Somebody says, well, that's, that's extreme. Not to this person because they don't want to take a chance of clicking on something that's going to take them somewhere and pull them back into that. So, no, I'm not going to do it. I know people that are addicted to alcohol that won't even go to restaurants that serve alcohol. Don't bother me. I've never liked alcohol. I don't have a problem with it, okay? But somebody who's been addicted to alcohol, I'm not going there. Hey, I understand. Because they don't want nothing to be before Jesus. Amen. Jesus, help us today. There are some great big elephants in our lives, God, that we need to get out. It's called an idol. And Lord, I don't want to put nothing before you, Lord. I want you to be King of kings and Lord of lords of my life, God. I'm asking, God, that you would help us today, God. Touch every person in this place today. Every life, every heart, every soul, God.